Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to another Wednesday night here on Behind the Steel Curtain Radio. This is the first episode of 2023 of the Curtain Call podcast. We go, we we do a show called Know Your Enemy all through the season where we look at the Steelers' upcoming opponents, but there's not really anything upcoming opponent-wise for the Steelers. It's all about the Steelers themselves, and we change the name of the show to the Curtain Call. Here with me. As always, as we change shows, Shannon White. Shannon, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. My son was like, so you're changing the name? I'm like, yeah, it's Know Your Enemy during season. And he said, well, it ought to be Know Yourself now. <laughs> so, well, that's going to be the show. Know Yourself. <laughs> know Yourself. That's not, like, no one would watch that. People would be like, that's one of those self-help shows, isn't it? We'd yep. be on here like, now think about your day. <laughs> How have you thought about Devlin Hodges this week? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't actually. Uh, I think. I don't think a week goes by that I don't think fondly of those games. Anyways, anyways, we're in the curtain call podcast. We 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 may have a guest tonight. We don't actually know. Uh, we had a guest that we'd love to have on. He got called into work at the very last minute. Uh, so we are not expecting him to come in today, but I did. I sent him a link anyways, just in case, because he doesn't know if he's going to make it or not. Uh, so if, if we do, it'll be nice. If not, Shannon and I are here tonight to talk about the Steelers' defense. Season's over, moving into the offseason, reviewing the defense this year, looking at the roster, looking at the players, who's had a great season, who maybe did not, uh, and and how we go, how we how the Steelers shape up heading into 2023 into this off season. Shannon, any, was there, was there any story this year on defense where you, where you saw a player that you say, wow, this player really took a big step up, went from maybe a, a, a kind of middle of the defense player to one of our top players or anyone who stepped into that and stepped into a much bigger role or, or just to you change categories with how valuable they were this season. I think there was a couple of guys that really stood out, uh, stepped their game up this year. Um, Alex Highsmith, you know, we were yeah. all making, you know, predictions of how many sacks he would have. And, um, you know, when we're, we're, you know, thinking that Watt's going to be available all year, 
And with TJ, you know, he should be able to, Hasselman should be able to feast against, you know, one-on-one opportunities there. But I predicted 15 sacks. And he was 14 and a half. He almost, he he almost almost made it. And, you know, I thought he would go up and get 15. And I thought Watt would, you know, where he would be getting more attention, that would help Highsmith. But I thought Watt would end up, you know, 12, 13 sacks somewhere in that range. And uh, it would still have just such a great dynamic duo. So, but I thought Highsmith played very well. You know, obviously he was the focal point when Watt was out. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I bet you he has nightmares of them running backs chip blocking him every oh, yeah. time before they left the backfield because they knew he was the main pass rush threat. And so he got extra attention and so did Cam Hayward. And uh, I must acknowledge that I was disappointed uh, at times with Hayward because, and I think you wrote it in an article recently, as the uh, the time of possession went up for the Steelers and they were able to have better uh you know, third down conversions and it limited the possessions for both teams. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things, you know, changed. And one of the things changed is Hayward was able to stay fresher and he, you know, was actually asked to play fewer snaps and you've seen more of the, what we're used to seeing out of camp. And, you know, he's gotten older. Yes. But, you know, they have to make sure they don't overwork him. Because that's one of the things that happens. You know, you don't have quite the stamina you did in your younger years. But really there in the late in the season, he really played inspirational. He he really turned it on. And um, so he had an, a, another outstanding season. Uh, Cameron Sutton, uh, he did a great job as the Steelers' best cornerback. Now, yeah. he's still a cornerback, too. But he did a great job being the guy, the most consistent and reliable cornerback the Steelers had, and and uh, so he really stepped up his game. And and then of course, Mika Fitzpatrick. I mean, what more can we say about him? Last year, <coughs> he didn't have the ball hawking numbers that he normally has because he had to play kind of a hybrid linebacker yeah. position, and he, he let him in tackles by a wide, wide margin, mm-hmm. and. Um, but this year he was able to get back to more of, of his specialty and, and his all well-rounded game. I think he'd become more physical last year. And you've seen yeah. that this year. He had some big hits, and uh, he showed some intimidation. You know, on a lot of them uh, receivers and all coming across the middle. And then I, I think he tied for the league league in interceptions. I believe so, yeah. And he had one touch. He could have had two, but he just ran it out of bounds against the Falcons, but he could easily score it on that. So, uh, you know, he was the Steelers' only all-pro, but what an incredible season. He was uh, the MVP for the Steelers this year. I'm going to – you brought Minkovitz Patrick dropped, getting his tackle numbers down again. Uh, he was second on the team in tackles, but with 96 total combined with assists and solos, 56 solo tackles, that's – that's pretty close to a hundred. Like that's usually yeah. a, a pretty high number. But then if, if people don't remember uh, last year, those solo tackles were at 84 with yeah. a total of 124 <laughs> tackles. Like it, it was a nice improvement where he's having, you know, 40 fewer times he's having to really, mm-hmm. well, 30, 30 fewer times he's having to really be the guy to bring people down. Uh, absolutely right there. 
I want to I want to go back because you're talking about TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. And this is something that's been asked to me. This is something I've seen floating around on uh, Twitter from some people. Not not your normal like Steeler Twitter people just mm-hmm. yelling and finding something to be angry about. But actually people that I respect, people that are pretty good at this, wondering how, how close to that form that we saw from TJ in 2021 will he ever be again? Because if you look at his brother's career, his brother had like 20 sack seasons, the 20 sack season, the 17 sack season. Then he had the two years where he missed most of the games, right? Mm-hmm. He played three games one year, five games the next year. Never quite back, got back to those numbers. He had another one really good season, uh, 2018, went back to all pro, had 16 sacks. Uh, and the next season got injured again, and that was it. Are we worried at all with TJ Watt that he may not be quite the same player he is? Uh, and I'm going to start this one because I want to I want to preface this before and explain why because I've I've thought about this question for two days so I've had a little time mm-hmm. more than you have. Um, looking on film, T.J. Watt is one of the most explosive pass rushers, right? He doesn't have he's not a I'm going to set you up with this move and beat you with this move. As much as he is, I'm going to explode into you fast enough that you can't react right Mm -hmm. and he also had he has good counters don't get me wrong he has fantastic counter moves he does set people up but what really causes people problems is when he explodes either he sees an opening to to cut inside or he's going to take you around the edge that explosiveness is at a level other players just can't match and offensive linemen can't handle Mm -hmm. he's not the same size he's not going to have the same force as a J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt was an immense person. Like, he's mm-hmm. significantly bigger than T.J. Uh, and so uh, I have a lot of faith in T.J. I love T.J. Watt's game. And I will say he can be an extremely high-impact player, whether he's getting 20 sacks or eight sacks. It doesn't matter. He can be that crazy level of impact player. I do have questions myself. And I, I, I wonder, is he going to be that guy again? Are we going to see it? Are we going to see him more around the twelve sack re- range, range from now on? You know, James Harrison had one great sack season, and everyone else was a little more down to earth than normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is something to worry about. That is something I think about. I don't really have the answer. I think he can't. I'm not going to doubt him. I'm not going to say he can't. Uh, but I, I think it's a lot. It's very nice knowing that we have Alex Highsmith on the other side. Uh, for that exact reason, Shannon, do, do you have concerns there? Uh, and how do you? And I'm gonna put you in a nastier spot. I know you're a huge TJ Watt fan, uh, but if he can't be that MVP candidate, Defensive Player of the Year candidate player, does his contract turn into a negative? Well, I don't know if you remember <clears throat> the article I wrote suggesting when they were talking about making him the highest paid player in the NFL defense player, uh, I said, well, the Steelers have to consider trading him, especially, you know, when they had the, 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 not a hold in, but whatever they wanted to call it there. Yeah. I said, trade him for the Jacksonville Jaguars had the number one pick. Yeah. And I said, then you draft Trevor Lawrence to, to set a year behind Ben. And then you would transition into potentially your next franchise quarterback. And I took a lot of grief over that. But my reasoning in the article was what happened this year. What could have been a defensive player of the year three years in a row? 
JJ won it three years in a row. If I remember right, but he's won it three times. Three out of four. Yeah. Yeah. And no, then, yeah, and no then, he won, yeah, three out of four years. Yeah. Yeah. And then he started to tail off, as you said. Well, mm-hmm. my concern is similar to JJ. TJ's effectiveness is he goes 110 every play. Yeah. He does not take a playoff. You watch a Miles Garrett, you watch a Parsons, you watch any of these other dynamic, you know, players, they are athletically freaks who can go half speed, you know, get an opening and then explode and finish the sack um, or finish the tackle for loss. TJ can't do that. Well, TJ's not 100% like he wasn't when he come back this year. He's not the same player. Now, his value to the defense is unmistakable because they are totally different with him out there, even 80%, which I say he was about 80% when he came back. Mm -hmm. Even with the 80% TJ, the defense is twice as good. It makes everybody better. So he's that valuable. The only reason I suggested what I did is that if he falls off and he cannot maintain the level he had three straight years when he could have won defensive player of the year those three years, then will he be justified? Will that contract become an albatross around the Steelers' neck? And anytime, it's kind of like Lamar Jackson. When Lamar Jackson is 100% healthy, he's unstoppable uh, because you just can't catch him. But Mm -hmm. when he's not quite 100% and then he has to rely on his arm, then he's very pedestrian. He's very normal. He's not the same. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily makes the players around him better. T.J. Watt does. But it's also the threat of T.J. Watt because they didn't know when this year was Watt going to get back to his, you know, former self. Say he's 90% now and this week he's going to have three sacks. It never happened. So my concern is uh, will these type of injuries keep popping up because he's to be effective, he has to, he knows one way to play and he cannot back okay. off. So that's my only concern. You know, I love TJ Watt and his value is he might be the most valuable player in the league to us, his team, because the stores are just totally different with and without him. And we've talked about that at great length, but yeah. that was my concern. And that was the only reason that I suggested, because when you pay any one player, you know, the amount of contracts that these guys have gotten and, and TJ's being paid, he's worth every penny if he can be out there. If he's injured, it's not his fault. But then, you know, you're sacrificing depth at other positions. So that's my only concern because, you know, just looking at family history, uh, you know, it, it kind of, you know, he's 27 or 28 or will be 28 when the season, you know, and that, that concerns you a little bit. Yep. Okay. We're going to take one step more here. Alex Highsmith, still on a rookie deal, is signed through next season. 2024, Alex Highsmith is an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Is is this offseason going into 2023? Is this a is this a big deal here that, that TJ Watt is coming off this injury and Alex Highsmith is coming off a season where he looks like a legit number one pass rusher. Like even when even when TJ Watt was out there, he had the moves. Like mm-hmm. you see these other guys that collect, like if they don't have any pass rush around them, they get seven, eight sacks. Alex Highsmith looks like a dude who if he has another pass rusher on the other side, similar to a Joey Porter, Lamar Woodley, mm-hmm. you know, 
those guys, he's going to put up good sacks. And I think a key step here is, and it just, it, it wasn't suddenly this year he was good. It's this year he was unleashed. Yeah. Because another factor is if you watched Keith Butler's defense, you look at the things I've talked about with Keith Butler's defense. Alex Highsmith so many times was starting his pass rush head up, eyes on the play, mm-hmm. right? And engaging an offensive lineman, seeing what's happening with the play, and then making a move to pass rush once he saw it's not a run. Mm-hmm. Alex Highsmith was one of the top run defensing edge rushers in the league the last couple of seasons. His first couple of seasons in the NFL – he was that guy, partly because that's what the Steelers asked him to do. And they would send TJ Watt, just, just go to the quarterback. Doesn't matter. If it's a run play, doesn't matter. Still go to the quarterback. Just You just absolutely wreck their passing game. And we'll let Cam Hayward, you know, and, and we'll let Cam Hayward and Alex Highsmith and the, and the linebackers worry about the run game. Well, that changed this season. Alex Highsmith was unleashed, 14 and a half sacks. Uh, is this is 2023 a season where at the end of it we're going to have to pick one of these two and choose to go with it and and then if so man that's going to be a tough spot for the Pittsburgh Steelers I think while they got Kenny picking on the rookie deal uh and a and a lot of the young guys are on rookie deals um I believe that this offseason is when they really need to focus on Simon and Highsmith I see somewhere four years, 44 million uh, would, you know, was, I think about the range that he's, they're looking at him. Um, I take that. And, <laughs> I and that I, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Crap, I yeah, mean, I take if, that a heartbeat. If you can work out a three year deal, four year deal for Highsmith, um, and, you know, because you, you can actually look for, they need an, an upgrade in, in the depth department. Uh, Reed is too small to, to man an edge for the Steelers. Uh, he got abused against the run. And and he's a I like him. He's a he hustles, but he's just, you know, they need an upgrade. And then you got Jameer Jones, um, who, you know, he's better against the run, but he doesn't offer much pass rush. Yeah. So they need an upgrade there in case Highsmith or White goes down. But I think that they really need to focus this offseason one of the things they need to do in-house is try to sign Highsmith to an extension because if he has another season of 12 to 15 sacks, they ain't going to be able to afford him. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I'll, I'll say this, in order to do that, they would have to throw some pretty serious guaranteed money at Alex Highsmith, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like if you're going to get a, a young player to sign a longer deal uh, when they just had their best season, it's going to have to be like, hey, you know, if you're interested mm-hmm. in some security, here's a chunk of money that's just yours, and then we can work it out. And and obviously, if you do that, you're talking about a deal that may end up being like, uh, was it Antonio Brown's deal where they mm-hmm. kind of reworked it a bit? You may have to do that if you if you get him on a three year deal, it may only be a two year deal. Yeah. Right. And and at that point, you've bought yourself time. To figure mm-hmm. out is TJ about what bouncing back, what's going on. I, I think that's great. I also I want to throw in here uh, that you've been a big Jameer Jones fan, and Jameer Jones actually uh, started moving up mm-hmm. the depth chart. Like Malik Reed was the guy towards the end of the season. Jameer Jones uh, was getting a pretty good amount of snaps 
Uh, do you do you have expectations for him? Obviously, he is. Man, I don't. He, this is his second year out. Like he last year, he was under. He was a rookie, right? Last year, was uh, I think it was, or is it his third year out? At Notre Dame, I can't year. remember. Yeah, yeah I, I I looked at his. I had to go to his college stats because nothing yeah. said anything. Uh, his college stats: twenty nineteen was his senior year in college. Uh, he is. I don't have how old he is here. They have him. He's 24 this year. So this yeah. was his age 24 season, which is usually a pretty good, like that's mm-hmm. their growing up season physically. They're they're hitting their peak. Uh, well, that's one of the key things about uh, Highsmith. If I was thinking it's 24. Uh, yep. So he's, he's right, you know, moving into his prime. Uh, so a three or four year contract, I feel very comfortable with that. And Jones, you know, they he's with, he was with the Steelers, and then he was with the Rams, and then he was with the Jaguars, and then he's back with Pittsburgh. If he could stick with them, maybe in that, you know, number four spot or number three spot, uh, and really work on his pass rush, he is very stout, and he sets a good edge, and he is good against the run. And that's why he was playing a lot at the end of the year, because they played all them run-heavy teams. Yep. Um, but he he lacks the repertoire as a pass rusher. So if he could work on that, he's athletic. So if he could work on that, you know, with his strength, kind of a Bud Dupree type, mm-hmm. you know, situation, you know, uh, maybe a bull rush and, and maybe, you know, a few counters here and there. But, uh, yeah, he has real value as depth, and I am still high on him. But uh, I think they need whoever that third guy is to be able to step in without a huge drop-off from Highsmith or what? Yeah, Malik. Okay, Malik Reed supposedly was going to return towards the end of the season. Like, mm-hmm. he was hurt for there for a bit. Uh, he was supposed to come. They were saying he was going to be back. The Raiders game was his last game. Yeah. And after that, Jameer Jones stepped in. So I, I don't actually know everything that went on there. Uh, but I do know Jameer Jones ended up playing – more the end but of you the agree season. that Reed got abused against the run. Yeah, Reed. Yeah, he just he gets pushed around. He's too little. Reed was Reed was interesting to me because he was more uh he was an he's a high energy guy, he's high effort, but he never quite seemed to fit yeah. what the Steelers yeah. were trying to do here. We're the outside linebackers are really a a, a position that carries a lot of weight mm-hmm. in this defense. They really do. Like you can't you can't be like a Devin Bush and get away with it. And like this, if you know what I'm saying, like you like Devin yeah. Bush, if you have everything right in front of him, uh, he can look good. And he's done that in the past. But when he had to start taking on linemen, he had to start doing more of the dirty work. It showed. It showed he's not that guy. Uh, the Steelers outside linebackers have to do that dirty work. TJ Watt does it. You know, yeah. Alex Highsmith does it. They do that stuff. Uh, well, Reed and Bush, it's funny you mentioned that. Their physicality is similar. They're more, I mean, if they can be on the move, if Reed can, you know, pass rush, and but if he has to engage and, and defeat blocks, then uh, he's just too little. Yeah, that, no, you're, you're actually, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Like, like that's, that's Malik Reed. Yeah. You'll see, and you'll see him and Devin Bush do the same things. Like, there's times they'll make plays where they get blocked. And instead of beating that block, they kind of circumvent it, 
Mm-hmm. Like they they get off of it and then run around the dude and they'll end yeah. up making a play. Like you'll get that. You'll get plays with yeah. hustle and speed, uh, but not a lot of beating the block kind of guy. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the inside linebackers. Let's go to the inside linebackers. Uh, we had a while there where on defense, it looked like the inside linebacker situation was much better. Mm-hmm. Like early heading into the midpoint of the season, Devin Bush was playing some of his best uh, football of the season. He was clearly the number two slash number three linebacker, but it was, it was good enough that especially people like me were like, okay, you know, he's back and he's good enough. We'll see if he can build on this and actually get back to being good. Like he was projecting there for a while early in his career. Uh, and it seemed he he that kind of he kind of hit a hit a point in the middle of the season where he's doing better, and then it kind of dropped back off, uh, and he lost a lot of snaps, including uh, to Mark Robinson. Uh, he lost snaps to to Robert Splain. Definitely lost a bunch mm-hmm. of snaps. But when Miles Jack was healthy and playing really well, I, I think we, everyone kind of had confidence. Like we've okay, we've we've gotten that linebacker spot solved. Uh, we've got our number one inside linebacker. We could upgrade number two, but at least it seemed like we were in a pretty decent spot with Bush and Spillane figuring it out. Mark Robinson having potential. Uh, then Miles Jack was hurt. Didn't play as many snaps. Didn't play as well. Where are we on Miles Jack? How do you feel about Miles Jack now? Do you think he can be our main linebacker heading into 2023, or do we? need to kind of treat him as a number two do we need to move on from him how where does where does he stand now when the Steelers signed miles jacks i was very excited because i'd liked him since 2017 because he gives the Steelers fits and every yeah. time ben would try to throw a pass you know in the center of the field to uh, vance mcdonald or anybody he was there intercepting it or breaking it up and um so i don't follow jacksonville that closely yeah. And, you know, I remember the athleticism he played running back in college and, you know, what he looked like early. And one of the uh, guys I know in Jacksonville, he's a fan, and he was like, uh, Jax is not Miles Jax anymore. He's not the guy you're thinking about in 2017. And I have a feeling you're all going to be disappointed. Well, the season started, and I'm like, well, yeah, he's, he's leaving a lot to be desired in coverage, but it's probably because he don't know, you know, I don't like how the stores use their line, middle linebackers in coverage anyway. Yeah. And and I wish they would be more aggressive. And because none of them have that speed to <laughs> to set and then explode to the ball. And they're always, you know, it's an automatic completion across the middle. Um, but as time went on, I started to notice, you know, he was he Jax wasn't defeating blocks as consistently. He wasn't as physical as I remembered. Um, he seemed like he was a step slow and guys would get around him to the outside. You know, he, he didn't quite have that same speed. And I've started to notice what that guy warned me about. Yeah. And then the injury happened and then it was like night and day. I mean, it was really bad. Yeah, he's um, like, he like got out run to the oh, sideline yeah. at times. Like he had the, oh, angle. many times the guy yeah. just beat yeah. him and turned the corner. Yeah. After that injury, it was not the good quarterbacks, uh, bigger tight ends. I mean, there was a couple times he was matched up, and I know that big tight end for the Colts. Um, I cannot think of his name now. Last name might be Cook. The, oh. Uh, he's like 6'7". He was a yeah. former basketball player. But anyway, he moves well. 
but he was just torching Jackson. Jack, I mean, it was like Jackson wasn't even, you know, I don't rem, I remember Jackson being much faster. So I think that, you know, he's about up near 30 now. And I think that the wear and tear and everything that they have to upgrade from him. Um, I would actually move on from that situation. Uh, you know how I feel about Devin Bush. Um, but here's here's something I will throw. I think everyone in our I think everyone in our live chat probably knows how you feel about Devin yes. Bush too. I think we all know. Yeah. Um, so I, I will stay away from that. Robert Spillane, I thought really showed his football IQ, his intelligence. Uh, he's fundamentally sound. He really took over, played a hundred percent of the snaps in a lot of games at the end of the year. Yeah. He was getting people in position, especially when Mark Robinson was playing. You know, he, he was really like a, an extra coach out there on the field. Um, so I think he has value. I don't want him starting per se, but I really like him as depth and as that rotation. But I read this this week talking about Miles Jacks, Devin Bush and Robert Splane. They had one sack on the year. This is all of them combined. Mm-hmm. One sack, no forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries, uh, no tackles for losses, if I remember right. Or was it uh, maybe three passes defense? That's the whole season. I mean, the yeah. Steelers' defense is set up for the linebackers, both the outside linebackers and the inside linebackers, to have the stats. You know, that's where, you know, they get the the – the feast, why the defensive lineman, you know, sacrifices. You've written many times. And when that defensive line's going good, those other linebackers, they feast. Mm-hmm. And, man, it was pitiful this year. Uh, the the What they accomplished uh, was a lot of schematic. It was the play of the big three. Well, the big four now because you got to consider Alex Highsmith. Um, and the secondary was, besides the game they dropped the four interceptions, was that the Miami Dolphins game? I think it was against the Dolphins, the secondary yeah. drop four interceptions. Yeah. But, you know, the fact that they had the defense they had in the second half of the season um, when Watt came back was a testament to some creativity on, you know, sch- schematically uh, by the coaching staff and uh, extraordinary performances by certain guys. And they really jailed. But, uh, but the inside linebackers was a huge weakness. Yeah, they had a total of nine tackles for loss between the three main mm-hmm. inside linebackers. Spillane led it with four. Jack had three. Devin Bush had two. Uh, for comparison, TJ Watt had eight in 10 games. Alex Highsmith had 12. Cameron Hayward had 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi had seven. Terrell Edmonds had three. Terrell Edmonds had as many tackles for loss as Miles Jack. Uh, and, and Chris Wormley is too. They, Chris Wormley and Terrell Edmonds both had three. Yeah. Like Arthur Millette had as many tackles for a loss. Trey Norwood had two tackles for a loss. That's his Trey Norwood and, uh, and Arthur Millette had as many tackles for loss as Devin Bush. Okay. So the, that's where we're standing here. When you're dying yeah. back, it's as many tackles for losses as your, your inside linebacker could be an issue. Uh, <laughs> I think I think we're gonna see the big thing I'm waiting for for inside linebackers is I want to see what happens with Brian Flores because one of the things uh, I've talked about with Brian Flores is he uses those inside linebackers differently than a lot of people do, mm-hmm. and if we see Brian Flores stay with the Steelers, um, somehow 
I, I don't know how that happens. Like if teams are just playing games and like they're interviewing him, but they don't actually want to sign him for anything. Like they're all still mad about mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and he's back. I think that changes how we address the inside linebacker position. I really think that's a difference. Obviously, Miles, uh, Robert Spillane and Devin Bush, both free agents. Mm-hmm. They are both free agents. Uh, Miles Jack is an eight-year – he's up on for one-year eight million. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is the roster. He still has a $3 million from his signing bonus that is on the cap this year. But that's not a contract you can't move on from. Mm-hmm. right? If the Steelers decide we saw what we wanted from him, he doesn't fit where we want to go, they could have a brand-new inside linebacker room next year with just Mark Robinson, the only guy back from this year. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, I'm not going to say whether the Steelers should, I'm not going to ask you just to say whether the Steelers should sign them or not. What I'm going to say is at what contract point, like how much money, how much of an investment would you make to keep Robert Spillane and Devin Bush? Well, Devin Bush, no. (laughs) That's just a no. No, no, I I don't care. Somebody said, well, you might do with him like they did with Terrell Edmonds. And bring him back for one year for two or three million. And I don't want him back. I mean, you could you could get a, a seventh round draft pick like Mark Robinson, who will stand back there and watch everything happen around him, and maybe run up after you know the guy's five yards deep. You know, it, you know, and then try to maybe you know corral him or jump on and ride him down like he's a cowboy. But now I don't want Bush back at all. You know, happy trails, good luck, all that. Um, Spillane, I think Spillane has earned a, a two-year deal, maybe, um, uh, at a at a reasonable price, fair market value that they can agree to. Uh, because again, you know, he's not a fit for everybody's defense. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, and if he has to learn a new scheme and all, and, and then he's thinking the more he thinks, the slower he's going to be, and he's already athletically limited. So he needs to be smart enough to realize I need to stay in this scheme. I have value here. I'll sign a, a, to get a little financial security and more than a one-year deal. And I'm all for bringing Spillane back. Um, Miles Jack, depending on what they can do in free agency at the position and the draft, I would decide that before I made a decision on Miles Jack. Because yeah. if, if Miles Jack is healthy, you know, they might get another decent year out of him, especially if he doesn't have to be the starter. Yeah. I really don't want to see him start. I was happier with Spillane playing 100% of the snaps than I was with Miles Jack at any point during the season. Oh, wow. J- just to be honest, because I think that the things I started noticing about Jack, obviously, offensive coordinators noticed it too. And they mm-hmm. took advantage of him and abused him, especially on third down. So, uh, I think that might not have been so evident if they could have went with the three safety package as they did one Kazee come back healthy. Yep. You know, then they took Jack Jacks off the field. And you've seen, you know, they improved in them third down situations. But that injury early in the season, Jacks was out there sometimes and and uh and they really abused him. So yeah, I I think that Mark Robinson can take a next step in his development. You have Splane. And then I'd like to see possibly two new linebackers, one free agent and one draft pick. Okay. 
Um, first Blaine, would you pay him like number two starter money? Is that what you're going with market value? Or are you saying like high end, uh, high end special teamer, like rotational package guy? What kind of contract are we talking about there? Uh, you know, I'm saying like two years, eight mil, okay. somewhere in there. Like look at some of the contemporaries that I think are on his level. You okay. know, that's pretty average for me a year. You know, five is the top end. Uh, because I'd rather him be your first, you know, inside linebacker on the, uh, you know, off the bench. I'd mm-hmm. rather, uh, uh, you know, he can start, but he, who he has starting next time is going to be very important. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to take our short break here. Uh, and after this commercial break, we'll get back and we'll move on to talk about the defensive line right after this. And we're back. Uh, we've we've covered the linebackers in, in a little over half an hour. Uh, sorry <laughs> to move a little bit quicker here, but uh, defensive line. Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line. They do have a few free agents here. Uh, I lost my list. I had my list of free agents and I lost it. But anyways, um, Ogun, Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi is a free agent. Chris Wormley is a free agent. Tyson Aluwalu, free agent. I, I I assume Tyson Aluwalu is going to retire. He he the injury. Mm-hmm. He was never the same. <laughs> nope. Uh, Chris Wormley, Larry Ogunjobi. You're talking about guys who uh, Larry Ogunjobi I think was ninth in total snaps. Uh, Chris Wormley was 14th. Missed a bunch at the end of the season. Uh, with the development of Leal, the play of Isaac Loudermilk, some of the other guys that stepped up when he went when he was down, do you think Chris Wormley comes back and is a Pittsburgh Steeler again? No. I mean, we're, you know, it's a shame. I, I actually thought he'd give a better effort this year against the yeah. run than he did the year prior, uh, which I thought he was a huge weakness. But this year I thought he held his own. I was I really mm-hmm. was depressed, and I thought that he might get a, a another contract, and then that you know blowing out his ACL when he did that's just that's heartbreaking for him because yeah. he's also thirty I think, so it's it's really bad timing, so he'll miss at least half season, at least, and then you know so you know somebody might sign him then, but I I just think the Steelers are going to have to go in another direction. Um, Larry and Joby, I really was so happy to have him. And I thought he really did a good job for them. He's a great mm-hmm. penetrator. He's very disruptive. He's strong. Uh, one of the reasons that the Steelers run defense improved so much this year, um, was because of him, because the Lulu came back, but he was a shadow of his former self and he's yep. done. I mean, he's 35. He'll be 36. He's done. Um, and Martavius Adams, uh, you know, he's he's a, a good depth player, you know, but he's not a starter. So really the defensive line this year was Larry Ogan Joby and Cam Hayward. But I thought they did a much better job than you know, obviously the year before. Um, and Ogan Joby helped fill in for two it, what they missed with Stefan to it. Um, but I don't think he's gonna get a lot of money on the open market because he can't stay healthy. Yeah. Well, I think it was I read the last six weeks. Uh, he practiced like one day a week because he was dealing with just, you know, back and toe and, and mm-hmm. everything. 
you know, and that's been his MO, you know, for years now. He has trouble staying healthy. That's why he did, you know, he failed his physical with the Bears. Um, so I think the Steelers, they really have to focus on the foundations in this draft. And the defense line, they got to get younger and they got to get bigger. They need some beef inside. I mean, some real beef. 330, 350, they need size. Uh, and I want to see that in the in the draft. There's some free agents that are going to be reasonably priced. That that's what they are. They're run stoppers. They they tie up blockers. Uh, so there's guys that they can pick up. And uh, Larry Ogunjobi, if he could come back at a reasonable price, somebody said one year eight million. Uh, they said he might not be happy with that, but I wouldn't go really over that. Um, because you do have Leal, depending on if they make Leal a defensive end and ask him to get up to like 320, you know, 315, 320, or they're going to try to use him in that hybrid role again. And I think if that's the case, they need to drop him down to about 280. So that's going to be interesting to see what he comes to camp, what size he is next year. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, Ogunjobi, uh, I would not go long-term just with his injury history and all, and I would also make sure it was a team-friendly deal. Yeah, right now, under contract for the Steelers, they have Leal, Loudermilk, and Hayward. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 get, I, I would like, I'd like to see Larry Ogunjobi come back, and for me, this, this is my thing. I would like to see either you bring back Larry Ogunjobi or – or you get like a Javon Hargrave, someone who can play that nose tackle and defensive tackle. You could be a, mm-hmm. a zero, a one, a three tech, can play all of those. And then you can play Leal and Louder Milk as your five tech defensive lineman and let Leal stay outside more. Um, I think that's fine. That to me works fine. I don't I don't think the Steelers get Javon Hargrave. I, I don't think that happens. But I would love to see it. I mean, that would be like dream come true. But I will tell you, I still want first-round pick. For me, it's been two years coming. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're. I think they've been. They've been putting it off, and it, it needs to happen. I. This is. I'm still rooting for a first-round pick defensive lineman. We need our next Cam Hayward. We need our next mm-hmm. Stephon Tuitt. Uh, we need those guys. And if you have, if you have three of them, great. That's great. If you have two. Like this year, you're you can cover for the gap and just play two of them and just kind of make do. Mm-hmm. If you have three, great, you're better off. If you have four, you still play all four of them. Like mm-hmm. you can still do it. When they had when the Steelers had Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Javon Hargrave, and Tyson Alualu, they all played in 2019, and that defensive line was an absolute monster. And Devin Bush looked great. It didn't matter because no one got to him. They were just that good on the defensive line. So for me, man, you can that defensive line is one position you can never have too much talent. There's no such yeah. thing. You yeah. could drive a first, you could draft a guy in the first round every year and still be okay. Like you like you'd still yeah. be using them well. You just you'd obviously be missing talent other places. Uh, but for me, that's defensive line to me is, is something they need to address with a starter in free agency mm-hmm. and a big time move in draft. I think they really have to, and I, I like the fact that we have the GM we have now, or the not the GM, 
the director of personnel or whoever mm-hmm. Andy Weidel yeah. is that that's really a defensive line, offensive line guy. Uh, I, I I hope he works his magic on the defensive line because I'd love love to find find one of those guys again. Get one of the, a young one in there, a young absolute stud. That's why I want to see that thirty second pick, which is normally the last pick of the first round. It's going to have so much value. I want to see it turned into two picks on day two because they have these holes, especially on defense, and you could get, you know, move back just maybe a couple spots even, pick up an extra pick on day on day two, maybe a third rounder, and then you'd have four picks on day two. Yeah. And and that you can really get address a lot of needs right there. And the thing about it is Weedle or Weidle or however you say his name. Uh, I'll learn it eventually, but <laughs> he has that history. And what I'm excited about is how many relationships does he have around the league that, you know, Colbert didn't, the Steelers yeah. were notorious. They were frugal and, and they only did deals. If it really, you know, they, they come out on, on top on most of their deals when Colbert yeah. made them, he didn't make many. But, you know, he found somebody desperate and he'd make, you know, a really smart move. Um, I'm hoping these new relationships will allow the stewards to be, make more moves. Because a lot of times it's covered to be like, well, we wanted to make a trade up, but we couldn't. We couldn't find nobody that would deal with us. Hopefully that'll change now. Because yeah. this this offseason, where they're at in the rebuild, um, they can really become a contender as early as next year. If they if they know another draft of free agency period. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to the safeties. This is a key position for offseason because the Steelers on the roster currently signed Minka Fitzpatrick, Miles Killebrew, and a couple of reserve futures guys that are their mm-hmm. camp bodies, right? You have Minka Fitzpatrick on roster, and that's it. In free agency, you've got Demonte Kazi and Terrell Edmonds. Uh, do you do you think the Steelers try and bring back both? Do we see maybe one of them come back? Is there a chance it's Kazi and not Edmonds? What do, what do you think happens with the safeties? It, in if I had to say in it, I would try to sign both. Um, you know, I think the last year it got to be a little bit of a. Uh, uh, a contest. I won't say what I was getting ready to say uh, between Terrell Edmonds and the Steelers and the Steelers like, okay, he is more value to the Steelers than he does most teams in the league. Terrell Edmonds is an underrated solid player. He's not yeah. flashy. He's not a ball hawk. We know all this, but he is reliable. He's durable. He's, he's that glue guy. Uh, and I, I think they need to bring him back. You've got a great safety tandem. You've got an all-pro uh, free safety who loves Terrell Edmonds. He trusts Terrell Edmonds. They have a relationship, a chemistry. You know, it's not worth a, a couple million dollars here or there to bicker over the price. Get the guy signed. Give him some job security, some financial security. Then you should be able to get Kazee at a reasonable price. They got Kazee this year. I think it was a very, uh, you know, low price. If I was thinking, I can't remember, was it like a $3 million? Or say it was, 
It was crazy low, I thought. Yeah, it was really cheap. Yeah. And, I mean, he missed most of the year. Did he do anything that's going to make him that much more valuable a year older on the market? I think that he likes playing in Pittsburgh. I think he was a great fit for what they need him to do. You know, he's the best true pure deep safety they got. And he's very good at playing center field. I think you could get them both back. Uh, You know, and it not really costs you all that much. Kazi started four games, had two interceptions, two pass defenses, uh, played in a total of nine games. He didn't play much beyond replacing uh, Trey Norwood in dime and then spelling Terrell Edmonds and, and, and Minka Fitzpatrick the few times they left the field. And by Minka Fitz, and with Minka Fitzpatrick, that's like so few times, mm-hmm. right? He barely left leaves the field. <laughs> um, so Kazi really didn't play a lot more than what a Trey Norwood did, which was surprising to me. You didn't see him a lot in nickel, but he was also injured for a bunch. Yeah, He was also out a bunch of time. Uh, if we see him come back and Edmonds come back, I would expect to see a bigger role there. I would mm-hmm. expect to see a much bigger role if he's going to sign and come back. Like it's not going to be like, yeah, okay, I'll be your, I'll be your number five defensive back. Like I, I can't see him signing for that, uh, right? I think he believes in the in the right defense, he could be a starter, but he's not like the guy you want back there. Kind of like mm-hmm. Sean Davis in the right defense. Sean Davis was a solid starting free safety, uh, but he's not the guy you want back there, but he's a guy that you can live with. Devontae Kazee is that guy, and he's got some versatility. He's got some some stuff. If the Steelers are able to keep him, and if they decide to keep him, I, I, I you would have to believe it's because he's going to do more mm-hmm. in coming years. I I can't imagine Terrell Edmonds not getting a like decent contract from the Steelers this time. I, I really, three years. I really can't imagine it. Right, like you've. You, he, I just can't like the, he came back even with Kazi here, even with Kazi starting four games, Terrell Edmonds still started 15. Mm-hmm. He played in 15. He started 15. Make if it's Fitzpatrick played in 15. He started 15. Kazi started four. Like they, they only, it wasn't like Kazi was stealing his, his thunder. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was still out there a bunch. I, I, I imagine that's gotta be, gotta be. And again, I'm going to say this. I, I think a huge thing this offseason is if Brian Flores sticks around or not. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big, big deal. Uh, I, I think if he sticks around, you could see a very different, not very different. You could see some different usage, some different nuances in this defense uh, than he was able to, to really affect in one season. We'll see how that goes. Uh, moving on to cornerback. This position is a little more stable, a little more stable than other ones. But we, we, and, and the fact that we don't have any big names, maybe like uh, the free agents here on, on quarterback uh, James Pierre, Cameron Sutton. Cameron Sutton's obviously the big name, mm-hmm. he was, he was our, our number two most played defensive back. Uh, he was our best cornerback. Um, 
Actually, let's start there. Let's start there. Are you paying Cameron Sutton number one cornerback money? If someone offers him money to be their number one cornerback, are you matching that as the Steelers? No. We we kind of talked a little bit about it before the show. Um, I really, I'm really um, a big fan of Cameron Sutton. He had an excellent season. He's he's so intelligent. They they everybody raves about his football IQ. Um, he's versatile, but you found you see that he's just better if you leave him outside. Leave him as a you know their number one corner. Of course, they don't move him around the field, you know, but he done an excellent job. He settled into their defense. Here's another guy that I think needs to realize if he goes to the wrong defense, he is he's going to be exposed and he will not be as effective. Uh, he has so much value with the Steelers. I would love to see him. You know, I understand he's at the point in his career. He wants long-term. He wants financial security. He had his best season. He deserves it, and I want him to get it. Um, if he takes less, slightly less than maybe he could get on the market, I think the Steelers could work out something to keep him. Uh, with the way cornerback salaries are right now, you think they're almost going to have to draft one in the first round, uh, depending on who would be there. Um, but I would like to see Sutton stay on a reasonable cornerback two salary. If somebody starts wants to pay him as a cornerback one, I mean, you cannot blame him for taking the money. I, I wish him the best because I really like the guy. Uh, but the Steelers need a cornerback one. They they desperately need one to take their defense to the next level so you'd have to let him walk. One thing, one thing I want to bring up with Cameron Sutton is the Steelers put – uh, void years into his contract in 2021 when they were doing when they were doing that they actually put him in there for because of the, the covid year and everything his signing bonus was spread over five years that contract and those void years automatically cancel five days after the super bowl five days after the super bowl and he all that money goes on the books. Um, I, I would have to talk to Dave about this. I don't know if it's a factor uh, that if they sign him earlier, that money stays in those original three years. So it's only 700,000 a year. I don't know if that's a factor. I don't even know how that all works. That's, I'm not that guy. Uh, but that is something that there's a chance that it matters. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I don't actually know. Uh, I, 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 I think also, Cameron Sutton, if if you're gonna if you're he's gonna get a ton of money in free agency, like you really have to let him go, mm-hmm. right? You can't you can't say like, oh yeah, he's gonna be our number one guy. He's gonna be our guy to lock down Jamar Chase because he's not that guy. Mm-mm. When he faces a Jamar Chase, even a T Higgins, guys on that level mm-hmm. of athleticism, size, and 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 threat as as wide receivers, Cameron Sutton isn't that guy that can do that without a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a really, to me, he is a really good number two cornerback, but he is not a number one. And he's not going to be a number one. He's a very, very high-end number two. And if mm-hmm. you can get him for that money and still be able to go try and make a splash and get a number two, number one corner, 
go for it. Yep. Are would you would you be willing as would you be would you sign Cameron Sutton if it meant going into next season with your top two cornerbacks being Levi Wallace and Cameron Sutton? Again, it would depend on it would depend on is it high cornerback two money? You know, not cornerback one money. Yeah, let's say we get him for that. Let's say we yeah. get him for if the it, money if we it, want, but that means that's it. Those that's your cornerback room. Well, but here's the thing we got to keep in mind. Cut William Jackson the third. Uh to, you know, because he is not worth what he's on the books to make next year. You got to cut him. Then if you know, I know Tomlin really likes him. And if he can pass the Steelers physical and, and he they think he can come back, you you sign him for a greatly reduced cost. Because he is good in man coverage. Um, and you could use him that way. I hope I was hoping he would come in and they could kind of if you have a guy giving you some trouble, you say you follow him around and mm-hmm. at least make it difficult on him, you know. But he he never got to play. He he was hurt when he came yep. in. So I I'd say <laughs> that you cut him, you take that money off the books, I think it's 12 million or something like that. Then um re-sign him at a lower rate if you you know if you can. Nobody's going to give him that kind of money anymore because uh, he has to prove himself. So it could be a one-year prove-it deal. I, I do not want him to to uh, sign Witherspoon. I was uh, everybody knows that, and he did exactly what I thought he would do. He, that, that's his, you know, he that's his history. That's his tendency that he he struggles with his focus and his awareness on the field, and then he has injuries. Random, just out of nowhere. So, uh, I think Witherspoon, you move on. You uh, you have Sutton, if you get that deal like you're talking about. You have Wallace, who really come on in the second half of the season. And I think he could be a solid starter. You know, he's not great, but he's solid. Um, and then if you take a Jackson, and you can get him at a reduced rate, and then draft you somebody that, you know, that maybe a first round or early in that second round, uh, I, I could live with that, especially if it means that they use the money to extend Highsmith, to bring back Edmonds, Kazee. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere. And I can live with Sutton and Wallace if it's at a cornerback two price. Hi, you know. I will throw in with William Jackson uh, for people. Obviously, Mike Tomlin likes him. They wanted to give him a chance. He is due. $3.25 million on March, I believe, 17th, third day of the league year. Mm. March 17th, he gets $3.25 million if he is on the Steelers roster. And then his cap, his base salary for the season, which obviously if you cut him before week one, he would get none of, is over $9 million. So, there's, so that's there's, the $12 million I was talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah he yeah. gets $12 million, yeah. but $3 million of that like, because often we'll say, like, this dude's due money. And you can say, yeah, but you can go into camp with the guy. You can go into training camp. You're still not paying him until week one. Like, until he actually plays in a game in the in the 2023 season, he doesn't get any part of his salary. Nobody does until they actually play games. Uh, unless it's guaranteed and stuff like that. But, but that roster bonus means March 17th, if he's there, $3.25 million, you're paying – just flat out just paying him mm. no matter what else happens he has to be out before mm. then the yep. Steelers have to have reworked stuff if they want to keep him 
we've talked now about pretty much the whole defense here. Mm-hmm. For your priorities, what position do you say on defense the Steelers are right now with the roster they have with their free agents, not assuming they're signing anyone? Uh, what position are they in the best shape? And what posi- what positions uh, do you think they need to address the most with outside players? Well, uh, the position that they're in the best shape um, is outside linebacker or edge guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, with that tandem, you know, you'd like to improve the depth. But um, I've, the defensive line, well, you know, they, again, they got free agents everywhere. Yeah. The weakness, again, it's that inside linebacker. I mean, I really want to see Mark Robertson become part of the rotation next year. But I think it'll take him at least another season to start to really get the nuances of coverage because he is that raw in coverage. Um, But he can play, uh, you know, but they're going to have to work him in that rotation. So that leaves Blaine, and to me, that's it. So um, I would like him a free agency again to bring in Defensive lineman, preferably a starter. Uh, Joby back if it's at a good price. Uh, and then draft, because they have to rebuild the foundation. And, and like you said, everything is pred, uh, predicated off of that defensive line. And when the Steelers are at their best on defense, the defensive line is just creating havoc and allowing everybody else to feast. And and they got to get back to that. Um you know, and then the other focus again, like we said, is the safeties, because if they get Edmonds back uh, and Kazee, then I feel comfortable with our safeties. You know, because like you said, with Norwood and Kellebrew, yeah. who's mainly special teams, but uh, you know, there there's holes on defense, and like I said, last year was an offensive focus draft and free agency period. This year, it has to be defense, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're going to cover the offense uh, next week. We're going to really dig into the offense. Uh, but I can tell you right now, by snaps, the player who is a free agent who played the most snaps for the Steelers' offense this season, we've talked about this before, but it, it's Zach Gentry. Yeah. That's your most valuable free agent on offense. Zach Gentry. Offense is coming back, and it's coming back pretty much entirely intact. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody who mattered from this season is back. Uh, but the defense, as we're looking, man, there's a lot of room here. Uh, one of my big takeaways for this defense is Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cameron Hayward. These guys are signed. Your mm-hmm. main guys that you're building this team around, mm-hmm. they're here. You are You are putting the pieces around the guys that are the guys, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, this offseason is a lot of opportunity. No, oh, Do you want to bring back Ogan Joby? Do you want to draft a first rounder to put next to camp? Do you want to go out and make a splash and try and get a Javon Hargrave? Uh, how much does inside linebacker matter and where do you want to go with it? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, where, like, there's so many options at cornerback and all these places. You can rebuild this defense this year but you're still building it around this core of mm-hmm. TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cameron Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick. So you're big, you're not desperate, right? There's no desperation mm-hmm. here. 
you have obvious starting positions you have to fill. You have to fill these spots. But they're not like we've you're not looking here telling, oh man, we've got to find somebody to fix the secondary. Like when we had like you know, Sean Davis even back there, you're like, oh yeah, man, yeah. we need we need somebody. <laughs> we need either an elite corner, we need something. Make of this Patrick back there. If you if you roll into the season with Cameron Sutton and Levi Wallace, you're not happy about it, but you're like, we can get away with that. Add some mm-hmm. depth, add some other rotation mm-hmm. pieces, guys on that level, and say, you know, maybe, maybe things work out. We can be all right. Obviously, you're going to have to put something good next to him. If it's Terrell Edmonds, Demonte Kazi both come back, I I think you can go and not really mm-hmm. address the cornerback room other than bring Cam Sutton back. You could do that, or you could let Cam Sutton go in and bring in a comparable player who may, I don't know, maybe maybe Cam Sutton gets a really good deal offered to him in, in free agency, and you have to say, all right, Cam, go take the money, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go, go set up your grandchildren for, for not <laughs> having to work. Uh, and, and, like, you know, you move on, but you can do that because you have these pieces. And that makes it very interesting to me uh, what happens in free agency and in the draft. Uh, for, for our last little prediction on this subject, uh, Shannon, I want you, I want to throw this at you. Uh, even not knowing what they do in free agency, right? Let's say let's say they do they're going to do the Steeler thing. We know what they do. They're going to go into the draft saying we have people who could start at every position, right? So they're going to sign another defensive tackle. They're going to have another cornerback across from Levi Wallace. They're going to have a second safety. They're going to have inside linebackers lined up that could start, that you could live with, right? Mm-hmm. It might be Robert Spillane. It might be, you know, you know, guys like that. But you're going to have somebody the team is going to sit there and say, we signed these guys. We have a, a penciled-in starter in every position before the draft. Knowing that, how and, – and, and you're starting there. We're starting there. What kind of draft picks would you spend on this defense? How much of your capital? Is the, is the number 17 pick – Go in defense for you? Is it is it is it the number thirty one? Would you spend would, if you trade number thirty one successfully? Are you spending multiple second and third round picks on this defense? How how much of your focus for the future is adding young talent to this defense? It's you know the best player available thing. I always say it's best player yeah. available at a position to need. I always yeah. put that in there because um, right now. You want in the first round, if you can get a generational guy, a guy that you think is a generational talent, regardless if it's a wide receiver that falls or if it's, uh, you know, a, a top a offensive lineman that falls, like when David DeCastro fell to him, you know, yeah. they it was a no brainer. And then yeah. you, you start addressing your needs in those second and third round. Um, I, I would love it if a guy that they're really high on maybe other people ain't quite as high on at cornerback was the fall to 17. Some of the guys I really like uh, in the draft and inside linebacker are going to be uh, day two picks. And uh, there's really not anybody that screams the, uh, pick 17 and inside linebacker. Now there's, you know, there's a lot of the guys that we want to address at inside linebacker and at cornerback, I mean at uh, uh, defensive line in those second and third round. The cornerbacks, the, the, there's like four guys that might be in that first round. 
And if one of them was the following and it's the right guy, and I'd like to see the Steelers pull the trigger. Number 32, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a and that's a great no, I mean number have. 17. Oh, you go number 17. Yes, if if one of them oh, you know, the guys, guys up high, got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I just think that you know, that's been the problem. They haven't put a, a high pick. Uh, you know, it, Artie Burns was the reach, and, and we know what happened there. But, you know, I, they can't do that again, obviously. But yeah. if there's, it, it would be great if one of them guys, if it's a Joey Porter Jr., if he was to fall to 17 and, and they like that whole match and they think he could be a true number one, then I'd like to see him pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to add in here that we know the Steelers haven't drafted cornerbacks well. Uh, a lot but Ike of Taylor's that. a scout now. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that, a lot of that, and Ike Taylor's what I'm going to bring up here because a lot of that comes with Dick LeBeau. Strangely mm-hmm. enough, Dick LeBeau becomes the defensive backs coach in Pittsburgh in the early 90s. Uh, he he becomes the defensive coordinator. He leaves for 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 like seven years, comes mm-hmm. back in 2004. Dick LeBeau's time on the Steelers, the best cornerbacks that were drafted while he was a coach here were Willie Williams, way back in the mid-90s, and he was a Mm. sixth-round pick, the undersized guy, Mm. and William Gay, two late-round pick, five-nine corners that that were just had a bunch of heart and were smart and became really good cornerbacks. Those are his best draft picks. In the years he was gone, and as defensive backs, the Steelers drafted Chad Scott, who was a good starter. They drafted Deshae Townsend. They drafted yep. Chris Hope. They drafted Ike Taylor and Troy Polamalu. Mm-hmm. In the time, he wasn't here. Mm-hmm. In the time he was here, if you go back to the very first season when he joined, right after he joined, they drafted Darren Perry. Other than that, even when you go to safeties, his record is bad. They yeah. did not draft defensive backs well while Dick LeBeau was on the team. And the dude was a phenomenal defensive back himself. Great defensive backs coach. Fantastic Hall of Fame defensive coordinator. Couldn't draft a cornerback to save his life. Keith Butler, we all saw his schemes. We all saw his coverage schemes. They weren't good. And he also didn't do well drafting defensive backs. That's all gone. Kevin Colbert's gone. Those mm-hmm. coaches are gone. We got Terrell Austin, who's a very different guy. Since Terrell Austin has come, we've drafted Trey Norwood. Uh, we've brought in uh, DeMonte Kazee. We've brought in Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, Cameron Sutton's role has expanded. They brought in Levi Wallace, who had four picks this year. He's a very solid addition. Mm-hmm. Like, they've – there's there's hope. There's oh, hope. Yeah. There's what, no what? reason to expect the Steelers were suddenly draft a great cornerback because that's – one of the hardest positions to draft across the board. Oh, anyway. definitely. One of the, but the Steelers have been over reliant on the football IQ side. Yeah, you know, and the personality side in the in the scheme fit, and they have they haven't went after the athleticism. If they did, it was a project. You know, this yep. guy. It was, like, know, it was an Ike Taylor. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so they the NFL's moved away from that now. And you have to have guys who are super uber athletic, who have the speed to match up and have short-term memory loss because they'll get burned and then they're right back, you know, dogging the guy the next time and talking trash. The Steelers have to look for that personality now. They've always stayed shied away from that. 
in the past, but they have to change. And I think they will with the new scouting department, player personnel director, all that. So, yeah. All right. That's our, that's our show for tonight. Shannon, do you have anything to plug coming up? Uh, I have an article posted at nine 30 tomorrow uh, about how Kenny Pickett shares a lot of similarities with Brock Purdy and vice versa. Uh, But Brock, Brock Purdy, you know, Mr. Irrelevant went to the perfect location for instant success. And I hope he makes the most of it because he is, uh, you know, I want to see this Super Bowl. I think can shape up the NFC has the great rosters. The AFC has the elite quarterbacks and who's going to win and, and whoever wins, it can shape roster building salaries, quarterback salaries, everything for the next decade. Whoever yeah. wins this Super Bowl. So these playoffs are very interesting. Uh, but yeah, check that out. Yeah, and if Philadelphia wins the Super Bowl, we're not getting Javon Hargrave. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, if he's a Super Bowl champion, that ups your that ups your value. Yes. Um, as for me, I just my just today, if you're listening to this uh live on YouTube, uh my final grades report of the year came out where I I, I did a GPA mm-hmm. for every game. Uh, and 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 put out where the Steelers ranked, got into splits by half the season, all this stuff. So go there, check it out. I also did because I did an honor roll and demerits uh, list in players who played well and, and did poorly in each game. You can go see the add the totals up for there who got those those titles the most. Um, and I, I added together the fan poll, saw where they ranked, and, and so you can go see all of that. How we how we judged the last year week by week, not looking at it as a whole and and giving mm-hmm. our thoughts now, but what what the readers thought and what I thought every single week added together. Uh, and then the vertex I'm going to, when we get off the show, I'm going to try and really uh, get it finished. Cause, cause Dave mm-hmm. is on me to get it out for tomorrow morning. Uh, so if, if you're listening to this uh, on Thursday, uh, go check for the vertex. It should be out on uh and it's going to be on Matt Canada's run game because Matt Canada sticking around. Uh, I, I know I, I would, I figured he would be because the Steelers don't fire people and the offense kind of turned it around the second half. I, I figured he'd be around and he's, yeah. he's sticking around. So come <laughs> check out. Uh, maybe we'll give you a little hope, a little hope for, uh, for what he does do well, uh, you know, and maybe, mm. maybe they'll find a way to build on that. And if not, hopefully just Kenny Pickett and George Pickens will build on it their own way by just making better plays, you know, uh, like Ben Roethlisberger always showed us if, if the, if the scheme isn't good, you can always just make a play yourself, you know? And if you need to, you can just go in there and be like, Hey guys, uh, forget what they said. Just you're going to run deep and I'm going to run around and we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know? So uh, <laughs> that, that's, uh, so look for that uh, tomorrow. And uh, as, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for the people in the live chat. Uh, really enjoyed all our comments there. We always we always love to see your stuff. We don't we don't really go through a live chat and talk much about it, but but we're always reading it. Uh, thank you to everyone listening on the podcast side. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, thank you for that. Make sure you guys are all checking out uh, the behindthesteelcurtain.com for all your offseason news and, and updates. Uh, they are on it. Like like there are there are three or four people in our Slack that, that fight over who who gets the news first and breaks it on the website. It's it's a lot of fun. So they're always up. They're always getting the stuff out very quickly. Uh, we have all kinds of analysis and everything. 
great pieces, great interesting stuff that's going to be happening this offseason. Make sure you're checking over BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you're listening uh, to our podcast, our family of podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this, you can listen to our family of podcasts, every show. If you're available weeknights, almost every night of the week, at some point we have a live show on. This show is every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Come join us in the live chat. Uh, and again, to the live chat, thanks for being there. We love you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, hey, you know what? It's It's been a great season. It's going to be a great off season. We're going to be here for all of it. Uh, I wish you and yours a great week. And as always, let's go Steelers. Mm-hmm.